over the next three Sundays, we're going to be discussing thanks and giving and how uh, generosity and gratitude can transform and change our lives. Uh, see, gratitude is more than manners. Gratitude is more than just being polite. Uh, gratitude is our response to what God has done through us and in us, in Jesus. Uh, and so we're going to see how generosity and gratitude are the same side of the coin, uh, or two sides of the same coin. But I don't know about you, when I think about my Thanksgiving experiences or elements, uh, some themes that come to mind are, uh, the first one is a shared meal, right? Uh, I don't think I've ever heard of a Thanksgiving where, even if it's not the turkey and the whatever you have, it's, it's something, right? You, you gather around a meal. There's uh, some good food, some good family around. Maybe large crowds. And maybe this isn't you, but this is me. Um, Black Friday, right? Come on. We can be honest. We can be honest here. I like Black, I like Black Friday. Uh, I don't mind going in the crowd. In fact, it, it, it's, it's kind of fun. Uh, there's just something fun about being in a crowd and elbowing the person next to you to get that thing that you don't really need, but you really, really want, um, right? I mean, you don't judge me. God judges me. Um, but there's just something fun about it. Now everything's online, and it kind of takes the fun out of it, but, um, right, there's, there's a large crowd. Uh, maybe there's a guest that nobody wants there at Thanksgiving. Don't look at them. Don't look at them, okay? If they're here, don't look at them. Don't point. Don't tag them on Facebook. And, um, and if you can't think of anybody, then if you don't want a dinner, then maybe it might be you. Um, I say that in love. I say it in love because everyone at my Thanksgiving, I'm really excited to be there. So it's probably me. Everyone's like, oh my gosh, Matt's going to be there. Um, the passage we're going to dive into this morning has, has those three elements. A shared meal, a large crowd, and the guests that nobody wants. That passage is Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus the tax collector and Jesus. So let's read the passage. Luke 19, 1 through 10. Jesus entered the Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is the son of Abraham. The son of man came to seek and to save what was lost. I think there's some background information that we really need to know to really understand uh, the gravity and the magnitude of what's going on here, right? Some background information. Zacchaeus was a tax collector, right? He was a Jew that now works for the Roman government. The Jews did not like the Romans, obviously. So being a tax collector, uh, you would go around to collect the tax the Jews owed the Romans. This alone would cause people to despise you, right? Um, but many tax collectors would take more than they were required to and line their pockets. So you might owe two denarii, and I would say, oh, you actually owe four. Give the Roman government what, what the two, and then keep the two for myself. Um, this passage said he was a chief tax collector. He was in charge of all the tax collectors. He was a well-off, well-to-do man. Another important information I think is, is we should understand and know um, is that 
he was a wealthy man, and he runs and he climbs a tree to see Jesus. For us, we see that we professions are all about running and climbing, right? We, we do those things for fun sometimes. But people back then did not run or climb trees, especially wealthy, rich men. That goes against everything that the Jewish culture teaches and shows. Luke is pointing this out for a reason. I think Zacchaeus is not only curious about Jesus, but I think he's desperate. I think Zacchaeus, uh, there's a reason he's not satisfied. Maybe he's not satisfied with his life. Maybe there's something going on that, that things are, he has everything, but maybe there's just something that he knows deep down those things can't fill. So he wanted to be transformed. So desperate that he would go against what others thought of him just to get a glimpse of Jesus. So what's, what's Zacchaeus' problem and what's our problem? Well, I think Zacchaeus' problem is, is our problem as well. The problem you and I face, um, like I said, he owned many, many possessions. And we are never more thankful than we are this time of the year, aren't we? we? It's everywhere. The whole season is Thanksgiving. Every day, maybe you're thinking, uh, maybe you're putting something on, on Facebook that you're thankful for. Right? We, are, we are never more thankful than we are right now. If I were to ask you to write a list of all the things you're thankful for, it would probably be a long list. And all of those things on that list would probably be good things. Gifts from God that we should be and need to be thankful for. So what is the problem? If, if it's not a lack of gratitude, um, see, I believe our problem is not a lack of gratitude. Our problem is the focus of our gratitude. See, we, we are all thankful for things, but instead of what, why aren't we thankful for the creator? We are thankful for the created rather than the creator. This is our problem. This is the keys' problem. Uh, I have a picture I want to show up there, and this is going to illustrate the, the, the point I'm trying to make. Uh, I see three women, uh, or there's a third woman, she's not in the picture right now, but there's two women, one's taking a picture of the recovery, recovery wing, ring. sorry, recovery wing, right here in Sumter, right, Swan Lake. It's a beautiful statue. In fact, I mean, if you think about it, that really should not belong in Sumter, right? Like we often look down upon Swan Lake, like, oh, it's just Swan Lake, but it is a, a beauty to behold, and it's special, it's unique. And this lady, I'm guessing she's a tourist, but she's taking a picture of the wing. But I don't think she sees what I see. See, they see the wing and they see the beauty. Uh, and, and, and what I see is I see a man sitting on the bench right there. Now, um, I know that man. Uh, in fact, he is my wife's great uncle. I've been to his house. I've swam in his pool. I've eaten his food, uh, of course, while he's there and he knows I'm there. Um, but he knows me by name. His name is Granger McCoy. Now, if you know Granger McCoy, he is, he is the bird artist. He is the sculptor. He made that wing. You can go back a slide. He made that wing. He is the creator. He is the maker. He is the sculptor of that wing. And that lady has a great picture to show, right? Great picture maybe hanging up on her wall. But how much more impactful could that have been to have gotten a picture with the creator? He's right there. And yet she didn't see it. She didn't know. I wish I could have gone back and be like, hey, you know that, that, that guy right there is a creator. But she doesn't know. She doesn't see it. Ladies and gentlemen, that is our problem as well. We take picture of the created, and the creator is just kind of sitting right there to the side. We're not giving thanks to him. We're giving thanks to the things we have, to the thing we created. 
Romans 1, 21 through 23, and I'm going to skip a couple of verses. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal men and birds and animals and reptiles. So what's the, what's the, the key idea, the big idea? I believe true gratitude stems from our understanding and acceptance of the forgiveness of Jesus. Maybe you don't know Jesus today. Maybe you're like Zacchaeus in search of something greater. You've heard some things about him, but you're not really sure. You know he's transformed. You know he's done miracles. You know he's healed people. And you just want to get a glimpse, and, and, but you're not there yet. Maybe you're not a believer quite yet. Or maybe you're an older believer. See, it strikes me that we view our salvation as just commonplace. It's, it's just kind of, uh, we receive this unbelievable gift, and rather than bursting with thankfulness, gratitude, we, we, we tuck it in the back of a sock drawer like it's nothing, that it's just so normal. Ladies and gentlemen, the, no matter how long you've been a believer, the love of God is not normal. It should not be commonplace. As Glenn was pointing out, that man weeping on the floor without responsibility, that should be us. Because I believe our, our focus is not on the creator, it's on the created. So we make it not commonplace by focusing on the reasons we should be thankful for God. It's just a simple matter of shifting our focus. We have lost focus. Yesterday, Clemson, on one of their first drives, they were not doing very well. They were kind of all over the place. They didn't know who was where, what was going on. And what did the coach do? He called a timeout. He brought him in, and guess what he did? He focused. He, he told him, hey, you guys know what to do. You know what you're supposed to do. Let's just focus in for a little bit. So I know we all can't lean in the big huddle but let's metaphorically kind of just lean in together a little bit to talk about what we should refocus on. I believe there are four truths from this passage we can learn and take away today. The first one is we can be thankful that Jesus calls us by name. He goes to Zacchaeus. He doesn't say, hey, whatever your name is, come, come down. He goes, hey, Zacchaeus, I must stay with you. It took me three days staring at this passage to realize uniqueness. Jesus and Zacchaeus had never met before. From Zacchaeus' point of view, Jesus had no reason to know his name. Zacchaeus is not good. He's not a righteous man. In fact, he was a thief. See, we are not good apart from Jesus. There's really no reason Jesus should know our name. A God who created all things, who knows all things. If you think about it, he, doesn't, he shouldn't know my name, but he does. God is so big and I am so, I am so small and unimportant. But he calls me by name. He's called me by name as he called you by name. John 10, 14 says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. See, I just ran a marathon eight days ago. And as I crossed the finish line, there were tons of people cheering. There was, there was a DJ, there's speakers, there's music. There's tons of people cheering, a bunch of noise. I'm dizzy, I'm tired, I'm fatigued. I cross the finish line, I'm stumbling through. People are handing me stuff. Metals, snacks, pretzels. And the one thing I heard was my name being yelled in the crowd. I can't walk straight. I hear, I hear someone calling my name, and I'm like, what? I turn over, it's someone I knew, one of my friends. He knew my name. And I heard that name, and I, and I, and I knew where to look. It can be you today. Jesus called you by name like he's called Zacchaeus. 
We can be thankful that Jesus stays with us. Jesus tells Zacchaeus that I must stay with you. There's urgency. That word must is now. Jesus eventually leaves Zacchaeus' house and goes to Jerusalem. Of course, while in Jerusalem, Jesus is put on the cross and he dies. Now, the disciples are probably really discouraged because Jesus has left them. And right, they, they thought Jesus was going to raise up an earthly kingdom to free them from the Romans, and now Jesus is gone. So you can imagine uh, their, their surprise when three days later Jesus is raised to life, and he starts to meet and appear to the disciples. Okay, okay, now Jesus, you must be starting your kingdom. Now must be that time. And then Jesus says, well, actually, I, I'm going to go back up to heaven and prepare a place for you. Imagine they're, they're like, oh, what's going on here? I thought you were going to stay with us. I thought you were going to be with us to the end of the age. But Jesus goes to heaven. He sends the Holy Spirit. Now the disciples are filled with. Now Jesus never leaves them. He's left them physically, but he's, not, he's with them uh, through the Holy Spirit. And so if you're a believer, he has, you have the Holy Spirit living in you, guiding you, encouraging you, correcting you. We can be thankful that he will never leave us. We can be thankful that Jesus lovingly accepts us. When Jesus approached Zacchaeus, he did not say, Zacchaeus, give back what you stole, and then I'll come to your house. He says, I must stay with you. Isn't that the same for you and I? Jesus doesn't call us to clean up our mess. He doesn't call us to, um, before we follow him, he just says, I love you even though you are sinful, even though you're fallen, even though you're, you, you don't love me. Even though you, you look at the created and you're thankful for the created, and I'm just over here, I still love you. In the darkest hour, in your darkest hour, no matter what you've done, no matter sin, the sin you've committed, no matter how far you think you are from God, even in that moment, Jesus accepts you and he loves you. Romans 5a, but God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Zacchaeus, a man who should not have been accepted. A tax collector, the person stealing from the Jews to give to the Romans. And yet Jesus, he does. Ladies and gentlemen, the gospel is not clean up your, clean up your mess, then come to me. The gospel is, I've cleaned up your mess, now come to me. And Zacchaeus realized that and he came to Jesus. The last one, last truth we can take away to refocus us today is we can be thankful that Jesus offers salvation to everyone. Jesus said, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Zacchaeus was lost. He was a tax collector. He was desperate, searching for something. And Jesus came to save him. Zacchaeus is actually one of the only uh, Jews, especially wealthy Jews, who actually believed in the grace of Jesus. One of the only ones. Jesus did not come the righteous might be saved, but the unrighteous. Jesus' offer for salvation is to all people everywhere. There's not a people, there's not a person that Jesus did not want to save. Jesus accepts us where we are. I'm thankful that Jesus accepted these Romanians, that he, that he loves them. Because look, if, if Jesus just calls my name alone, and he's just called me, and he just loves me. That's going to produce arrogance. I'm going to start to say, well, aren't I special? Jesus loves me. I must be pretty great. But since Jesus says, no, I've 
come that all people might be saved. Well, then who am I? I'm just one small person in a sea of other people. It frees me from being arrogant to being gracious. I get to celebrate now just not with myself, right? If it's just me, then I have a little solo party. But if you say it's just all people, then guess what? No matter if I go to Romania or Spain or Canada or wherever, wherever God might send me, whoever might come across my path, I know that God loves them. And if they're a believer, then we have something in common. No matter the language, no matter what he, uh, the differences between us might be. How do we apply this? I think there are really two, maybe even three applications. I want to just go over uh, two with us today. Maybe uh, kind of finish up with the last one. If you have not done this before, I'm asking you, believe in Jesus. We, we've, heard, we've sung these songs about, about the blood of Jesus saving us, how it covers our sins. We've heard stories up here of, of people uh, putting their faith in Jesus. We see a man in Zacchaeus who, uh, who, who accepts and, he, and then accepts the forgiveness of Jesus. Maybe you came in here this morning like Zacchaeus, desperate that, that we would offer you how to fix what is wrong in your life. Maybe that's what you're looking for. But the forgiveness of Jesus is so much more than just fix. Fix your life. It transforms your life. The truth of the matter uh, is we are all messed up. We are all sinful. We see the created rather than the creator. So now is your chance, just like Zacchaeus, because he lovingly accepts you where you are. You are not too far gone. There's no magic phrase or prayer just approach God and say, I know that I'm a sinner. I messed up. I realize that I can't fix my sin. God, I believe you can, and I'm asking you to do that today. The Bible says, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm pleading with you, do that today. Jesus was heading to Jerusalem for, 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 to be crucified. Zacchaeus didn't have another chance. He, he didn't, and thank goodness he didn't wait. He did it, to, he did it that day. Or maybe you've been a believer sometime, like me. I think what we need to do is remind ourselves daily of these truths. Not just these truths, but obviously all the biblical truths. Maybe you take one of these truths a day and you remind yourself. Maybe write a little note. Or take an idea of God and think upon it. The guys, the discipleship group that I'm leading, uh, each Wednesday night we're reading through a chapter a day. And each day we're writing a characteristic of Jesus. Guess what happens? Guess what? Now I'm thinking about those characteristics of Jesus. I'm reminding myself of the gospel. Maybe that means you take a Bible verse that the Lord is really speaking into you right now and you really need. Maybe God's saying, hey, don't worry, but you're struggling with not worrying. Right? I'm not saying it's going to fix it, but what if you just put a Bible verse on your phone that said, uh, you know, don't worry. <laughs> I love you. Right? I care for the sparrows. I care for you. But what happens when you look at that a hundred times, that's going to start to seep in. That's going to start to really affect how you think and how you live. Maybe you put Bible verses on your wall. Maybe you um, write notes to yourself. Maybe even write prayers. One of the things I'm thankful for, my in-laws, is that before they moved out and we moved in, they had Bible verses in just just strategic places. So now when you're you're someplace, you're doing something, there's a Bible verse to remind you. Hey, now, now might be a good time to pray. What a good reminder that is. 
Or maybe your job is to help remind someone else. Maybe you've reminded yourself enough. Maybe your job is to help remind other people. Look, our gratitude displayed, it looks like generosity. Gratitude displayed looks like generosity. If you're grateful, then you'll be generous. Because Zacchaeus. He gives back. He gives half of his possessions to the poor. And if he's wronged anyone, well then, he's going to repay back four times. Now, I'm not a math person. I don't like particularly math, so um, I'm not going to do the math for you. But that's doesn't leave a lot left for him, does it? He gives half his vegetables away, and then all that he stole, he's going to get back four times the amount there. He's, he's giving beyond what he's probably capable of. And we might have to do the same. Not Maybe not just with money. Maybe there's a close family friend, the person I talked about in Thanksgiving who's going to be there. Maybe you show an extra form of generosity to them by listening to their stories, even though you may not want to. Maybe there's a friend in need who you see them and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be with them for like an hour. Lord, just be with me. What if, what instead if we just said, we gave them the hour and a half or two hours and you listen to them and you talk to them? See, a, a, a gracious, a, a person who, who's understand, understood the gratitude and forgiveness of Jesus would be generous in, in all forms of their lives. I want to close with this. It's Psalm 32, 1 through 2. How blessed is he whose transgressions is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. I pray that's you. We should be the most generous, the most gratitude, the most gracious people anywhere. I pray that this story has helped you, maybe has refocused you today. Let me pray. Dear Lord Jesus, as you read the story of Zacchaeus and, and realize that the gospel is for everyone, You've called us by name, and Lord, you're calling someone's name today. Maybe it's someone who has put their faith in you already, God, and maybe it's someone who has never put their faith in you. Lord, I pray, I pray that they would respond to the good news today. They wouldn't just put it off to the side. They wouldn't just... Lord, Holy Spirit, you're speaking to people right now. And however you're asking them to respond, Lord, I pray that they do. Thank you for loving us and dying on the cross for our sins. And it's in your name, Jesus, we pray.